Welcome to Lay of the Brand, where we talk with the experts on tech marketing, creative, and PR to learn what's new, what's working, and what's next. I'm Peter Jacobs with Merit Group, and in this episode, we're taking a look at how the marketing of educational technology has changed in recent times, and where edtech marketers can find new opportunities. COVID upended learning for K-12 students and their families. The pandemic accelerated the implementation of edtech for virtual learning and administration. And while school districts across the country are planning to fully embrace classroom learning, there's still a lot of uncertainty and a lot of need for solutions that can support whatever's coming next. To find out how the edtech industry can adapt and evolve its marketing and messaging, we're talking with Laura Sullivan, Vice President of Marketing and Communications with Presence Learning, which provides live online special education-related services to schools nationwide. Laura, thanks for joining us. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. This is a topic that is so critical to so many people across the country. And for marketers, they're looking for opportunities to make sense of what's going on. Schools went to virtual classrooms literally overnight in early 2020, and most had to scramble to get something, anything in place that could do the job. And this led to a boom in ed tech providers. Now we've got this crowded field. So how do marketers address the issue of we're back in the classroom, our budgets are limited, and we have enough remote technology? That's such a good question, right? And we're all trying to figure out um, what, do, what do we do? How do we take advantage of and build upon what we did with schools last year when they were scrambling to get up and running overnight, but might be in an entirely different kind of reopening strategy and environment today? And so one of the things that, that we think about um, and that I've spent a lot of time thinking about is what problems did our technology solve beyond the immediate pandemic needs that might have opened those doors and new opportunities for us? And how do we then take those opportunities and market those additional benefits? So for example, in the case of presence learning, districts were scrambling to get a solution in place and get up and running quickly to reach their special education students at home so they could continue to deliver those services to them that are so critical to their education and their health and their progress. And we did solve that immediate need by providing access to our platform that's designed specifically to deliver those services and by training school-based clinical teams on the effective delivery of teletherapy, which was really new to most of them. They hadn't done that before. But there were many additional benefits to implementing the presence learning platform that continue to be relevant post-pandemic, or I guess at least as as Student, students in schools are getting up and running in person. If we can't quite say post-pandemic yet, maybe we're still mid-pandemic, but it's changing and people are trying to be back in person. So what's actually still working that's relevant? And what we found is that districts who are new to presence learning learned what our own providers and current districts had already experienced for years. Things like many students actually prefer and do better with teletherapy and other online learning modalities than they do with in-person delivery of services. And there are a variety of reasons for that that we don't really need to get into today. But the point is that districts learned that they can actually better meet the needs of certain individual students and student populations with teletherapy. And school-based clinicians who used our platform for the first time loved the breadth of the content and activities that were built right into it. So that means they don't have to like lug around worksheets and workbooks 
books and you know other tools, they now have all of that content built into an ed tech platform that gives them the ability to greater personalize and customize the therapy, which of course results in greater student engagement. School psychologists and administrators love that our platform has assessments from top publishers built right into it. So again, that's another benefit. They're not having to source all of those assessments a la carte. That's saving them time and resources. In many cases, for the first time ever, families were getting an up-close view into their children's therapy or their other online learning, their classroom learning. For the very first time, they were able to build relationships with these clinicians and with these teachers. They don't want to give that up. That's a huge benefit that technology brought into the home. And while districts originally thought of our platform as a teletherapy tool just for the delivery of services when students and clinicians couldn't be together, they now also look at it as an efficiency tool. So take take a large rural district um, as an example. Instead of their clinicians or some of their other types of teachers having to drive from school building to school building throughout the day and losing that valuable kind of windshield time, they're now able to sit in one location on our platform and on other ed tech platforms that were introduced to them last year and serve more students than they would be able to if they were sitting in their car. And administrators learned that delivering services remotely really works, which means that now they can offer that flexibility to their clinicians who might not want to come back into the building full-time this year, either for health reasons or like the rest of us, they've come to like a certain amount of flexibility and remote work. So our platform has actually become a great staff retention tool. Administrators can now use that to, to keep their clinicians or other teachers in the district and also attract the best talent. You know, right there, Peter, was just a quick handful of new use cases for our technology that districts experienced because they brought it in to solve that immediate pandemic problem. And so I think marketers need to be looking for those additional post-pandemic benefits of their technology and partner with schools to help them solve those challenges, to really think together about Like, how do we carry forward and build upon the good? What worked last year? Instead of automatically reverting back to normal, which frankly might not have been as good as it could have been with some new tools and technology. But I think it's really on us as the marketers to be sure that we're identifying those opportunities and those additional benefits of our tools and pointing out that incremental value so that our customers and our prospects do pay attention to those new use cases and want to continue to build them into their overall models. So it's really up to marketers to develop messages around school systems being prepared for any situation, not just health issues, but any large scale impact. I would say yes, a resounding yes. You know, based on what is going on in the world, particularly around climate change, we will continue to see more and more messages around a broader set of use cases for our technologies. Um, In fact, even pre-pandemic, we were working with a number of districts across the country who had to close for any variety of reasons, ranging from wildfires to hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes, right? So there's no question that global warming is having a huge impact on the education landscape um, and that technology will continue to be a significant part of keeping students in school and safe and learning. Clearly, conditions that affect the education world can change in the blink of an eye. Marketers then need to be a lot more adaptable to respond to these kinds of situations. And as you just explained, a lot of it can come down to 
finding ways to recast their solutions and expand into other areas. How can marketers pivot to define a much more enduring value proposition? I think being adaptable and being flexible, particularly in this environment, really being able to pivot to meet your customers' changing needs is is more critical than it's ever been. Like that's something we were always supposed to be good at as marketers, but now it's like at a whole different level. Um, and so when I think about this, a few things come to mind that helped Presence Learning pivot last year and that help us really try to continue to stay responsive so that we are thought of as an undeniable solution, which is what we're really all trying to be, right? Relevant and really a needed technology partner. And, you know, I think this is going to sound cliche, but I will say that having an ongoing collaborative dialogue with your sales team is just critical to understanding the market and your customers' needs. So you can really adapt and be relevant. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not talking about the monthly status meeting that you already have set up. As you mentioned, Peter, the education world, it, it's just changing so fast and it can change on a dime. And, and I think we would argue that it's still changing, right? This is still very much in flux. So partnering with your sales leadership and talking to them daily about what they're hearing And what messages are really resonating is critical to being able to just be sure that you're always communicating relevant value. In fact, for our current back-to-school campaign that we're in the midst of right now, we just shifted some of our messaging mid-campaign based on real-time feedback that we were getting from our school partnership team about what they were learning about our current messaging. And it's not easy to shift messaging mid-campaign, right? You've got everything set and deployed and going, but it's so important now to be sure that everything that you're putting out there kind of makes sense. And and the way things are changing, you know, it might not make sense tomorrow, uh, what makes sense today. So being nimble and, and really being just willing to pivot, having the mindset that it's just part of our jobs now to be more flexible and more adaptable than ever. I think another important part of creating that enduring value that you were talking about is to offer your customers options and the flexibility to customize and personalize the solutions that they purchase from you. So we're used to that as as consumers. We expect that as consumers, whether we're selecting the type of Uber car that we want to drive up instead of just getting in the taxi that pulls up in front of us or whether or not we're customizing our Big Mac, like whatever it is, as consumers... We have that expectation that brands will enable us to personalize our experiences with them. But I would say that that expectation really is no longer just a consumer phenomenon. It's really something that B2B marketers need to be thinking about, how to offer flexible solutions. And of course, being in the technology space, we should be able to do that, right? Technology inherently offers and allows for customization and personalization. So I think being sure that you're building that into what you're marketing will help you build those enduring relationships and really stay relevant and connected to your customers' needs. And again, because it's technology, I think it's incumbent upon us to always be innovating and planning for the future. Stay ahead of your competition. Don't become a commodity, right? Instead, be sure that you're viewed as the leader, the problem solver, and really the go-to resource. I want to touch on something you mentioned about that alignment with your sales team. What you're talking about and what you've just described is an account-based marketing strategy. Is that how you're approaching this? More and more, we are looking at account-based marketing um, and even regional and, and local marketing. So because things in our environment in the school landscape is that those things are changing so quickly um, and because 
they change based on regional situations, right? So, so we might have just heard announcements about certain school districts in Oregon delaying their opening because of a spike in COVID, yet you've got school districts in New York racing back in person. We've got to be very thoughtful and careful about segmenting that messaging and being sure that we are communicating the right things to the right people. So it would be crazy for me to be sending marketing messaging to New York about how to help them connect to their students at home if they are fully committed to being back in person. But Oregon needs our help immediately on this delayed start and how they can actually get up and running with their students at home. So that segmented messaging by locality by account, um, by states, it's it's really becoming important. And the best way for us to know about that is that partnership with our sales organization. So, you know, we can read things in the news and stay abreast of changes, but really talking to our sales organization every day about where they need different kinds of messaging and support and which accounts they are going after is really, really important. So, so yes, more and more of that is working into our overall strategy. Laura, as we know, there are a lot of decision makers and influencers, well, in every buying process, but you're dealing with educators, administrators, the IT organization. How do you message to all of them effectively? Yeah, right. No more one-size-fits-all messaging, right? (laughs) Shoot. (laughs) Um, As our business was expanding even pre-pandemic and we were offering new products and services to school districts, we were already finding that we needed to better segment our audiences and reach them with the custom messaging that you're, you're talking about. And then when COVID hit, We found that more and more people within districts were becoming important influencers to our decision makers. So, for example, we started to see more and more school-based clinicians reaching out to us to get information about our products and services. They were essentially being tasked by their districts with doing some of the research and finding out about all these different tools and technologies that would be able to help them. So while they aren't the final decision maker, we realized that they were becoming a really important factor. So we started to develop new messaging that spoke directly to them across multiple content formats and deploying it across the channels that were more that they were more engaged in than our traditional decision makers might have been. So kind of knowing where to find your new influencers is really important too. Um, So yes, you've got to keep an eye on how your buyers and influencers are changing and then really take the time to develop a communication strategy that's personalized just for them and reach them where they are. So so in this particular example, we found that these clinicians spend much more time in social media than our traditional decision makers do. So that informed the type of messaging, the type of content and the channels that we needed to leverage to really engage with them directly. so, so yes, more and more, more and more influencers and decision makers means more and more time spent thinking about how to talk to each of them differently. And then, you know, I think when you think about different channels um, and different types of marketing, for us, content marketing has become a larger and larger part of our overall communication strategy. So we're seeing 
high levels of engagement in our content, which we're creating on a wide range of topics and in all different formats and putting it out across all of our different channels. And, you know, we're finding that it's really helping us deliver on our brand promise of being a really supportive partner and and problem solver for our schools and clinicians. Content gives us the opportunity to tell compelling stories that really demonstrate our value in relatable ways. And it enables us to provide information and training and support that our audiences really need more than ever in this shifting landscape. So we're finding that it's really much less about pushing out marketing messaging and much more about engaging in a conversation that's providing real value and getting back to that enduring relationship, right? And there's no question, Peter, we're finding that developing compelling content is a real investment in time and resources. It just plain takes more time to do it. But for us, it continues to prove to be a highly effective way for us to engage with our audience and really build that authentic, trusting relationship. So what kind of content are you finding to be most effective? So one of the things we're finding when school districts are making big purchase decisions is they want to know from other school districts that are like them how it works. The referrals, that the idea of referral marketing is really important in our business. And they don't want to know, you know, a district in, in Texas does not care how it's working in Maine. They want to know how it's working for another similar district in Texas. So we spend a lot of time talking to our customers and developing what we call success stories. But they're essentially case studies that bring to life the problem that they were facing, the solutions that we put in place together, and the results that they've experienced. And we share those stories in written content and video content with with like districts that we're talking to. Um, So what I would call case study or success story content has been really important for us. Video in longer and shorter form has also been important. We're seeing high engagement in our video content on our website, and then we slice and dice it up into shorter content on social channels. We try to do a lot of um, educational, informational content in the form of eBooks and white papers and webinars. And really, when we think about the content strategy, we're really trying to think about a full funnel strategy. So what are some of the higher level thought leadership types of content that we can create to pull people into our ecosystem? And then what are some more practical and tactical types of content that we can support people in our that are slightly further down in our funnel when they're really looking for more details about how to engage and how to deploy a teletherapy program. That's another thing that I would say is effective about content is that based on the type, you can really work your whole funnel. Do you find that there are certain channels that are more effective than others? You know, we're we're finding social is becoming more and more important for all of our audiences. It's always been important for us for our clinical audience, but our school district audience is engaging much more with us on LinkedIn these days. So we're spending more and more time on LinkedIn and in Twitter. Again, different social channels for different audiences and knowing that and finding where they are is important, but we're continuing to see high levels of engagement there. We do a lot of webinars and informational types of marketing and, and that channel. Um, proves to be very productive for us. Um, So yeah, I think those those are a couple that we're really doubling down on and, and getting good engagement. 
So big picture and drawing on all the experiences, especially of the last year and a half, but your experience overall in the market, what would your top takeaways be for ed tech marketers that are looking to differentiate in a very uncertain environment? Getting back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago about being adaptable um, and being able to pivot and just being sure that that is part of your culture. It's a really hard thing to do as a marketer if you don't have that kind of support built into the overall culture, if it's not coming from the top and if your sales team isn't really willing to engage with you that way. We're lucky um, that being nimble and flexible and um, adapting is part of the DNA of our company. It comes right from the top. And I feel very lucky that we have a sales organization that really, really is committed to partnering with marketing. We don't have that typical, you know, sales and marketing rub that you sometimes hear about. So being adaptable, um, being flexible, willing to pivot is key. Talking to your sales organization all the time to be sure you're really on top of your customers' pain points and using that information to to adapt that messaging. Um, the environment is really, it's just changing every day. We can't, we can't assume that today's messaging is going to be relevant tomorrow. And so you've just got to adapt that, that mindset. I think the other thing, Peter, because everything is changing so fast, experimenting is key, you know, set aside resources to experiment. Um, we're all kind of in this and learning together. So try new channels, test different kinds of messaging, you know, see what's really resonating and working and then build on that. And experimenting is kind of fun. Uh, so, you know, I, I would adopt um, that into an overall strategy. And then I would say most importantly, you know, and of course this is going to apply to all marketing, not just ed tech, but stay laser, laser focused on who you are, on your core brand promises and value propositions. As the market becomes increasingly crowded with new entrants, be sure your customers and your prospects know who you are and what you stand for. And, you know, resist the temptation to try to be too many things to too many different kinds of people and dilute, dilute the meaning of your brand. You know, I'm always keeping an eye on the competitive space and who's coming in and what everybody's doing. And it's so tempting to think like, oh, we could do that too. And we should try that. Or, you know, we should build that. And I think that there's a danger in doing that, right? Of course, it's good to know what's happening in, in your landscape, but it's also really important to stay focused on who you are and build your brand. I've been talking with Laura Sullivan of Presence Learning. Thank you so much for being here, Laura. Thanks for having me, Peter. This was fun. I hope we get together again soon. Absolutely. And thank you for joining us. Lay of the Brand is brought to you by Merit Group, an integrated strategic communications firm that blends the best of PR, marketing, and creative to help our clients tell their stories and build business. Got a topic suggestion or want to share feedback? Subscribe to Lay of the Brand on your preferred listening platform and leave us a review. And please spread the word and tell your friends and colleagues to tune in as well. To learn more about Merit Group and the show, check out layofthebrand.com.